special edition of the Digital Gumbo Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me, uh, joining us as always. Nookie Bishop Jr. here with Adris Elbow. Adris, how you doing today, man? What's up, Nook? Uh, today, man, I, it's been a crazy, crazy, um, you know, weekend. A lot of news happening. So um, I, my, my spirit is restless. I'll say it like that. My spirit is restless. I understand that, man. You're not alone. You lo- you're not alone. And um, yeah, crazy weekend, man. Um, we're just going to just uh, get right to it. Uh, my hometown, Buffalo, New York. Uh, we taping this the Sunday after, a little bit more than 24 hours after. Uh, on Saturday, uh, the 14th, a gunman came into the Topps supermarket on Jefferson Avenue, which is right around the corner from where I grew up. My grandmother lived right around the corner, and I worked uh, right around uh, the corner, one block up, away from that Topps market. He came from out of town. Wow, I, I knew this was your 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 hometown, but I didn't know it was your hood. Yeah, yeah, right in my neighborhood. So my grandmother uh, lived on Hoff. That's like uh, two blocks away. You literally uh, make uh, a right and then a left, and then you go, you know, you can see the supermarket from there at the corner of uh, Utica and Jefferson. And then uh, I worked uh, for many years at the uh, Apollo Media Center when I was uh, in Buffalo. In fact, that was where the Saturday press conference was uh, held. It's the uh, production hub for all the public uh, government uh, access, et cetera. In fact, uh, when I was a news reporter in Buffalo, I remember the day that uh, that supermarket opened up, man. It was uh, a big deal, right? So uh, for the most part, it was a food desert. Um, until about the late 70s, maybe early 80s, there was a supermarket there and then nothing. And then there was um, an individual in the community. He um, got an old supermarket and he um, put together a supermarket. It was uh, it didn't live long, you know, it was like um, the other you know, sort of larger uh, supermarkets in the area uh, tried to close him down and they were successful in uh, sort of shrinking the supplies that were available to him. And so it really went from about 85 to like the early 2000s where there wasn't on Jefferson Avenue where the uh, Tops is located, where there wasn't a supermarket, big, uh, big food desert. So and look, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say two things with that, because like you, you dropped some knowledge there. The first is that you had a small mom and pop supermarket. And right. you don't get a lot of those these days, right? Like most most supermarkets now are chains, right? Like they're corporations, large, huge corporations. But back in the day, right, supermarkets used to be owned by mom and pop, you know, Absolutely. store owners. And Absolutely. this this was an opportunity for that. The second yeah. thing that I think you dropped that people should be aware of is that that supermarket, right? You mentioned the term food desert, which is a term used. Uh, to describe uh, when communities don't have access to um, to food, right, to grocery stores, right. and this area was in a food desert. So the the fact that this community had a grocery store, predominantly black community, which we'll talk a little bit about that, mm-hmm. but even that in of itself was like you know just a a great point for that neighborhood to have a grocery store and access to food. Absolutely. Yeah, I remember the day I was a news reporter and there was a lot of fanfare, you know, um, in terms of getting that supermarket uh, there. And um, let me I'll I'll tell you something before we go into the events of the weekend. Um, So during my time at City Hall and and other roles that I've had in public service, mm, these chains, as far as uh, supermarkets are concerned, they will literally take a compass and go ahead and draw, you know, Uh, five miles, 10 miles, 15, 20 miles out. And they look at all the demographics. It's essentially akin to redlining, but it's really green line, right? So there are two models. They say with the population that is in this radius circle, these miles, they have a model for how they can turn a profit with alcohol sales and without alcohol sales. And I've been known that there have been some great you know, sort of real estate fines and great neighborhoods or up and coming neighborhoods. But if those numbers do not match and those numbers do not work out, um, you know, you will not see any, just not a grocery store, any kind of store where a store, you know, the number crunchers see where they cannot, you know, turn a profit. uh, They will not uh, be able to, and and ultimately do not go ahead and put a store there. So, yeah. And I think we talked about this on, on other shows was like, the only one right now that's figured out a model that works are the dollar stores, you know, the, the you know, Dollar Tree, the Dollar General, uh, sometimes a family dollar. 
and they can kind of make that that formula work. But sometimes it's hard for grocery stores. I think the last thing I remember about grocery stores, like the average customer spent about 35 bucks on a visit to a grocery mm-hmm. store. So that's another, you know, kind of factor that they use to kind of calculate whether it'll work or not. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, in fact, uh, you know, Tops, they, uh, that's the supermarket uh, that I'm talking about uh, in Jefferson Avenue, where the unfortunate events uh, took place. We'll talk about that in a little bit. They really took a risk putting that store in that neighborhood. Um, you know, again, it was a food desert. I remember even uh, at the press conference, you know, that, uh, you know, all the, you know, city council people and, you know, people that lived in the neighborhood, the community folks saying, come to this store. You might be going to a different store now, but come and, you know, shop at this store because it's your, you know, shopping at this store that's going to determine the life of it. And, you know, um, you know, the parent company uh, of the supermarket had its ups and downs, but that supermarket survived. And you heard a lot of people um, from all the national news reports and the local news reports that I've been watching from Buffalo, um, my hometown, you know, um, saying that uh, this uh, supermarket was a, a gathering place, you know, well, people not only just got their groceries there, but, you know, everybody in the neighborhood, you know, they know somebody very close knit, tight knit community, um, you know, also a pharmacy there. So people would get, uh, you know, their prescriptions, et cetera. So really, uh, you know, you talk about an institution like a bank or, you know, a school, this this grocery market, this supermarket is and will be a uh, institution in this neighborhood. Anyway, Saturday's events. Uh, I'm just uh, doing some stuff around the house and listening to the radio and they say breaking news. And I'm figuring it's just something traffic related or what have you or something with the abortion protests. And they say there's been a mass shooting at a supermarket in Buffalo, New York. So I was like, okay, there's not too many grocery stores in the city proper. Um, so I was, you know, sort of shocked that they said that and came down and, you know, put on national news and saw that this was the tops on Jefferson Avenue, again, around the corner from my grandma's house and just you know, two blocks away from where I used to work. Uh, 13 shot, 10 dead. Um, what we found out since is that there were uh, nine um, customers and uh, I believe four, four employees, or I may have those numbers flip-flopped, uh, including the security guard who was a retired police officer and uh, many people that uh, frequented the store knew him. They said that he was the first smiling face that you would see when you entered the store and the last smiling face that you would see as you exited the store. So this gentleman, uh, I'm, not, I'm not even gonna call him a gentleman, the suspect, <laughs> and we know he's guilty because he streamed the damn shooting on Twitch mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. Twitch was very responsive with that. They said that they removed that video within two minutes. Streamed it on Twitch, uh, full tactical gear, uh, AR-15 assault rifle and other um, other uh, weapons were discovered, firearms, several rounds. Um, he went in uh, to the parking lot uh, and the details are still coming about, but uh, shot a woman uh, dead in the parking lot, went into the store, uh, engaged with the security guard, shot him dead and then continued to go uh, throughout the store uh, shooting folks. And again, uh, 10 dead um, and uh, you know, 13 uh, shot and um, just, uh, just a, a horrific, horrific uh, thing that happened, man. Um, again, um, you know, they're putting the pieces together and we're only taping this the day after this happened, but they're putting it together. I'm not going to talk too much about, you know, this guy and his manifesto and the whole nine yards and his theory about, you know, race uh, and the whole nine yards, but let's be clear. Uh, it's come out that that Friday he was in the store sort of doing some reconnaissance work, canvassing the store, came back on the Saturday and, um, you know, murdered innocent people, people who were shopping. Uh, beautiful day. Look, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll add to it, too, that he had he had tactical gear on. Yes. Right. So not only did he do the reconnaissance, right, he had tactical gear. So when he went into he shot actually several people. Now that we found out several people in the parking lot went inside the um, officer that you described, engaged with them mm-hmm. and, and traded um, gunfire with them. But because he had on tactical gear armor. Right. It didn't have any effect. So he ended up killing the guard. Correct. And then, like you said, he stalked through the store looking for customers. Exactly. Exactly. So there were uh, customers who, uh, you know, after the gunman entered the store, uh, heard the gunshots, uh, called uh, 
911 and, um, you know, Buffalo police uh, responded. Um, apparently they were able to stop the shooting. Uh, the gunman uh, surrendered uh, like a coward did. Uh, put the gun, uh, as we're, uh, I'm reading in reports, put the gun uh, under his chin and threatened to shoot himself, dropped his weapon, uh, took off some of his tactical gear and surrendered to police. So I'd like to give uh, hats off uh, to the Buffalo police in terms of subduing the suspect. Uh, he had the word nigger uh, painted on his gun, on his AR-15, and that was uh, seen uh, in the screenshots of the video that was on Twitch before it was removed. He also, uh, in, the, in the still shots that I saw of the Twitch video, had the number 14. So I'm not sure if that, you know, is the number of people he was looking to kill. Uh, the event also took place on May 14th. Uh, we don't know at this point. But um, yeah, I, and sometimes I think like they use coded um, language and symbols uh, for white supremacy. And I think the number 14 has some symbolic meaning. Um, I, I think it is kind of um, is like a symbol of the 14 words in the um, manifesto a lot of white supremacists use. And it says something about, you know, the, the white you know, race. So I think that that number has um, symbolic significance. Okay. Okay. We'll have to have to check that out. And I'm sure that, that, uh, that will continue to come out, man. But, um, yeah, just a heartbroken man. Uh, first and foremost, I want to say, you know, uh, uh, us here at the digital gumbo, we want, uh, everyone to know that our hearts and prayers are with, um, you know, the families of the victims, um, you know, and that, uh, you know, my heart is always uh, in Buffalo. My family is there, have a, a brother who still lives there. Uh, you know, um, a niece, uh, two nephews. And, um, you know, that's a, a area that we go through uh, frequent. In fact, last time I was there, I always go up and down uh, the old neighborhood just to see uh, what it looks like and see how it's changed. And that top supermarket, uh, you know, is, uh, is always there. And what I understand from the corporate folks at the supermarket that uh, they have another store that is uh, in the city near my um, alma mater. They are shuttling folks for free to that store so they can continue to, um, you know, get their groceries, uh, et cetera. And uh, they have pledged to reopen the store. I'm not sure, you know, how you go ahead and reopen a store that's still, you know, an active crime scene right now. But uh, the corporate folks say they will go ahead and uh, reopen that store. And uh, we'll see uh, how that turns out, man. But, um, you know, uh, city council members, uh, the mayor, uh, the governor uh, came from Albany. Uh, New York State Attorney General Letitia James came from, um, you know, uh, from New York City uh, and in, uh, participated in the uh, press conference. Uh, they say that they will go ahead. Uh, the, uh, the individual was arraigned. Uh, in fact, uh, the judge that arraigned him, uh, we used to run in the same circles uh, in City Hall, but uh, they did arraign him. Uh, he's on suicide watch, uh, as he should be. And uh, I would not be uh, upset if uh, a guard took a break and uh, I'm not going to even go there. But, um, you know, he'll be arraigned. They, they definitely put him on suicide watch as well. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Yeah. No clothing. He even had a, just a paper hospital gown, no shoes when he was uh, arraigned. Uh, the only thing he said is that he understood the charges that were um, he understood his charges. And that was it. So. You know, this community continues just to, to mourn. There's a lot of, lot of emotions, man. Anger, um, you know, uh, a grandmother and, was and, shot. And, Nook, as you, like, you mentioned the community, and, you know, I just want to say this, that I think that community was, was by zip code, 75% Black. Yeah. Right? So, you know, for, by that zip code. And so that was intentional, right? Absolutely. He, he, he purposely selected that community because it was a predominantly black community. Absolutely. I'm not even going to say predominantly black, uh, uh, Drees. Uh, that, that community is black, like black, yep. black, blackity black. Yep. <laughs> like, um, you know, um, by that zip code, I bet the last census track would easily show 85 to 90 percent, mm -hmm. if not 95 percent uh, black. So he definitely uh, targeted, you know, that community, my community, and uh, very upset about that, man. Again, uh, they're um, haven't named all of the shooting victims yet, but there was uh, an 86-year-old grandmother who was uh, putting her groceries in her car. She was shot and killed. We talked about the uh, former uh, Buffalo police officer who was working security. He was shot and killed. There was another woman in her 70s, a grandmother. She ran, uh, she ran a food pantry. She was shot and killed. 
And then there was a, a staffer for a state senator who was shot in the neck and survived, believe it or not, uh, 20 years old, and uh, he is recuperating. So, you know, there'll be some other stories that'll come out with uh, the other victims, man, but uh, just very, very sad, bro. Just very sad all the way around. My heart is just, heart is just broken, man. You know, um, Buffalo is a, a great city. You know, the nickname for the city is, um, you know, the city of of good neighbors. And that's absolutely positively true. Wow. I didn't know that city yeah. of good neighbors. Wow. Yeah. But you know, for somewhere where you grew up somewhere where you frequented, where you worked, where you lived to see that uh, on national news and to see 10 dead on the, um, you know, the headlines and, and the ticker on national news, man, really, uh, really is, is heartbreaking, man. So, you know, yeah, again, it's, it's, it's always tough. No, even when you don't know the place, and you hear about, you know, these mass shootings and you hear about the hate fuel, you know, spree, shooting spree that, you know, white supremacists, they go on. And it's hard to fathom that when you're looking at it from the outside. But for you to have a connection to this place, right, being your, your neighborhood, you know, your city, you know, it, it does, it, you know, I know it hits you differently. Absolutely. Absolutely. They uh, are going to charge with capital murder. Um, I would not be surprised. I know that maybe New York state lifted the death penalty, but you know, anything could happen in terms of uh, how this case uh, turns out. There's just the one charge of capital murder against a murder one. Um, but you know, obviously there'll be more charges that'll be filed, but there's the one charge uh, to hold him at this point. And, uh, there'll be, and then, uh, a, of course, hate, a hate crime, right? Correct. Like federal hate, hate crime. crime and then yes. You know, all of the charges with the weapon, all that, they're just going to add on to it. Absolutely. Now, Drees, believe it or not, there may not be any weapons charges because the shooter was actually able to obtain the weapons legally. So there may not be weapons charges in the charges that ultimately wind up. That's very hard. You got to have weapons charges because in the act of committing a crime, they can charge you with the weapons, but I, I did not know he got that legally Yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. So there have been other cases, though, that haven't been hate crimes, but have involved He's assault 18, weapons. right? Right. There have been other shootings with assault rifles that have taken place, and in the myriad of charges that were filed against the individual... Actually, there were no or very minimal gun charges or the gun charges were ultimately thrown out. I guess the main thing is that you're going after the murder charge and the other charges are, I won't say irrelevant, but you're going for the main sort of life in prison, you know, type of or, you know, death penalty uh, case uh, with the murder charges, plural, that'll be filed. And uh, there'll be there'll be nine other murder charges uh, that are to come. So it's, um, you know, it's the district attorney. Uh, for the county. It's also the U.S. Uh, attorney for that district, uh, the FBI, so also be the Justice Department. And then you had Superwoman come in, Letitia James, man, absolutely. that's just the bad. Absolutely. So I know she's going to be on it. So they'll all be working together. It's probably be a, a DOJ case and, you know, be uh, argued uh, in, in federal court. But, um, Man, again, just uh, heart goes out to all the victims and, and the families. So many people gathered there yesterday, all the yellow tape and, you know, so many police officers there just trying to make heads and tails of, you know, what ultimately was a crime scene, um, you know, were there uh, through the night. Um, you know, I was happy to see that there was uh, church services, uh, you know, um, you know, impromptu church services and prayer groups, prayer vigils. Uh, that was there in the Tops parking lot, um, you know, this morning. Um, and then uh, this afternoon, you know, many uh, folks uh, in you know, the community. I heard, I heard there were interviewing one pastor and he was saying, like, this is a time to kind of, you know, come together. But he said, it's okay to express your sympathy. And he, was, he said, I told this to the other pastors, to my white, you know, brothers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, if you ain't preaching about this, about stopping the hate and white supremacy, <coughs> excuse me, then you can't be talking about sympathy. Right. 
Right. Now, I heard the same comments. I know exactly uh, the 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 bishop that you're talking about. He's a, a bishop of the clergy, not a, a bishop of relation to me. But yes, absolutely, positively heard those remarks. That is what he stressed uh, in his message uh, today. Um, you know, at uh, his Sunday services, he's also uh, a city council man. He's actually the president of uh, the city council in Buffalo, so he has a dual role, and he definitely has uh, his thumbprints uh, on the community, and definitely has his ear to the ground as far as anything that happens uh, in the community in the city of Buffalo is concerned. But um, you know, uh, you know, um, the murders took place, right? And. I understand it. So this is a little bit of a different situation. Somebody that lived from four hours outside of my hometown, outside of Buffalo, came into that community, targeted that community in a hate crime and shot and killed innocent people, innocent bystanders, people that was just doing what me and you do, Drees, every week, go to the store, get groceries, et cetera. I think about my wife or your wife or anybody yeah. that I know that goes, anybody, you, know, you yeah. might be going to get some flowers, pick up a prescription. You know, you might be going to get you a coffee and a pastry or whatever it is, you know, and you know, uh, they were subject to that and, and folks was killed. And, and you know, that's, that's why it's, it's an act of terrorism, right? Yeah. Domestic terrorism, because he, he didn't, he didn't target just that grocery store. He targeted that entire community. And he also in tar targeted, you know, black folks, right? Absolutely. With terror. So that, that is domestic terrorism. Absolutely. Um, you know, the only thing like, uh, you know, we always do uh, stories on Digital Gumbo Podcast. You listen to the Digital Gumbo Podcast, a podcast all about news, current events, race, culture, and politics. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. But, Dries, we always talk about numbers and, and do the numbers. And I looked at the latest census numbers and clearly you know, plus or minus 3%, 70% of America is white. So I don't understand this guy's uh, take on, and this is stuff that gets repeated in these news sources over and over and over about the diminishing white population here in America. And um, it, it's, it's a nasty sword, bro. It's like, one, it's not happening. I don't know how you can be a diminishing population or you're in fear of, you know, not being the majority. Uh, at this point in time in, in history, but, um, you know, um, look, I, I, I feel like it's, it's two things that's happening there. Right. I think part of it is this generalized fear that the country is becoming more diverse. Right. Mm -hmm. Like some, some people say like by, you know, 2050, right. Like you could have, um, the number of people of color, like starting to reach, you know, the number of, of, of white people in the U.S., right? Yeah. And, you know, people have different time timelines for that happening, right? But I think that's it, right? Like this uh, kind of browning of America and, you know, this, this coloring of America that's happening. So I think that anxiety, right? And they tap into it and they magnify it and they create this fear around it. And then the second thing, you know, I believe Nook is driving a lot of this too, is when you've been holding on to power, especially like for white men for so long, and mm -hmm. then people start saying like, hey, that ain't right. You need to start rethinking that. But for so long, you had your grips on power and control that even giving up a little bit of that, right? Or yeah. even if you just take your foot off somebody's neck, to them, that feels like, oh my God, we're we're retreating, that we're losing ground, that we're giving up something, and so this is kind of what you get, right? It is this this hatred, and it, it pops up in all kind of ways because this this you know we can look like um, we can go to Charleston and Mother Emanuel, you mm -hmm. can do that, you can do the Pulse nightclub. Mm -hmm. You can do so many that we can name them. You can just name them off now that it's, it's, it's just become part of our culture now. Yeah. And I was thinking about this the other day and I was thinking about like um, lynching, right? And I was thinking about um, the folks during a period of like in the South when they were lynching, hanging black people from trees. And I was thinking about that. I was like, we're, we're still in that. We're still in that, right? 
in 50 years, people are going to look back. It's like, wow, y'all were living during a time of like mass mass shooting. Mm-hmm. Race, race, racial hatred filled mass shootings. Mm. Uh, this shooting has proved now that there, I mean, there never was really, but there certainly now is not a safe place for people and specifically black people in the United States of America. You go to school, you face the threat of a mass shooting. You go to the supermarket, you face the fear of a mass shooting. You go to church to pray, you fear, you you have the possibility of a mass shooting. There is no safe place. You go out to party, you might, there is the possibility of a mass shooting that could take place. You think of all the other places that people are and you know, you go to work, there's a possibility of a mass shooting. We never had terrorist drills, you know, um, and, you know, when we first started work in the 80s, 90s uh, and so forth, but these shootings continue to take place and it's a necessary evil, necessary precaution that people must take. One no, of the that's, things- That's something too, like you, you said, is this, this necessary precaution you got to take. I have a friend um, in South Carolina who's a deacon at a church. Mm-hmm. They got an active shooter um, drill. Mm-hmm. They, they got a whole plan for it. They know what's going to happen. They got roles in case it happened, right? Because after Mother Emanuel, all churches had to plan for that, right? Now church. you're telling me all grocery stores better, better have a plan now? Mm-hmm. At a church you know, or I, a know, supermarket. Yeah, all markets now probably need a plan for active shooter drill. Like, what do you do if this happens? Right? Absolutely, That's the absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. Uh, one of the things I learned uh, in the active shooter class that I had at work is that when you go to somewhere familiar, you should try to identify three places or three ways you can get out of the building that is not the front door. So the back door is always one. Um they told me a that window, a window can always become a door. Yeah. I mean, yep. you know, upstairs as opposed to downstairs. And, um, you know, so many of the stories that are coming out now about the workers that was on break or heard the shooting in the supermarket, that they went to the back of the store, barricaded themselves, closed the door, turned out the lights, and were able to uh, escape uh, this gunman's fire, man. But, um, man, there's not, there's nowhere you can go in America, man where, um, you know, you can feel safe and where you can escape, at least mentally, the thought of uh, a mass shooting taking place, man. So I, I don't know what the what the solution is at this point, man. And I don't think anybody has a solution. I, I will tell you this, though, man. Man, I understand, you know, the community coming together. This is a threat that came from outside the community. But the time for all these prayers and the T-shirts and, you know, the the balloons and the candle vigils and the stuffed animal uh, vigils, you know, I understand it, but the time for that is over. It's really time for the people in power to, to get their stuff together, man, or you got to just vote them out. It's just as simple as that, man. Um, you know, you look at uh, some members of Congress that are, you know, 80 years old plus 70 years old plus, and it's just the same old, same old in bed with the gun lobbyists, um, in bed with other lobbyists, and really our impedances to progress to the safety of its own citizens, right? Like how come- And, and look, just, just imagine this, like who is, who is gaining more rights? It seems like more corporations are gaining more rights than actual citizens, right? Absolutely. Like we're facing the repeal of Roe v. Wade, right? And you got, um, you know, organizations now that says like they citizens and they can donate because <laughs> they, they technically a citizen. You know, Absolutely. so it is it's crazy. You're right. So so voting matters, right? Voting matters, elected leaders uh, matter, who's running stuff, like that makes a difference. Absolutely. A corporation is a corporation has a social security number. So I always tell you, Drees, right? If you win the lotto and you win it big, don't worry about Drees the person. You go and you get an LLC and you get a new social security number and everything goes through the corporation, not you the person. It's a limited liability corporation, any type of corporation. So it has a social security number. It pays very little tax. 
It does, you know, bring jobs uh, to areas, but at what cost? And again, um, while the jobs are, are great and, uh, you know, helps keep uh, a roof over people's heads, it's really these uh, corporations, uh, you know, uh, gun manufacturers, et cetera, that, uh, you know, lobby uh, with, you know, individual lawmakers and they look out for them and uh, they put a little bit of bread in their pocket and then they, you know, go ahead and get a law passed or, you know, draw up legislation and, you know, get their colleagues who are also getting some bread on the side from them. And uh, at the at the harm of uh, individuals, of our citizens, man, it's really a really funny kind of treason to me, um, if you really want to be honest about it. And, you know, the thing is, is that um, the the I don't know if he's done this or if there have been surgeon generals in the past, surgeons general in the past that have done this. But absolutely positively, gun violence needs to be declared a pandemic in the United States just like coronavirus. I don't know what the steps are beyond that once you declare the pandemic, but that would be a damn good first step in order to you know, bring and marshal all the resources that need to be brought together to preserve the lives of our citizens, right? And you, you know- Yeah, you, you, you right with the, the mass shooting, but it, you, know, it, you said just gun violence, period, but even if you can just get mass shootings declared, Right. As a pandemic. Right. That, right. That's just a subset of like of, of gun violence. But mass shooting is just like, yeah, it is. It can happen anywhere, anytime in any community. So, yeah, yeah that's a pandemic. The day before, the night before uh, in Milwaukee, uh, in the Deer District, which they have outside of the uh, Milwaukee Bucks uh, area, shops, restaurants, about 11,000 people. I guess that's the max people gathered to watch uh, the game that was taking place inside on the big screen. And there was a mass shooting there. I believe nine were shot uh, everywhere from a, a teenage girl, I believe, all the way to a 60 or 70 year old man. So, I mean, America don't go too many days without a mass shooting. And um, this was uh, the biggest mass shooting in the city of Buffalo. We had one uh, a few years back uh, at a restaurant uh, that was also uh, across the street from a place where I literally worked and I had been in there, it was a big party. Uh, something broke out and there was gunfire and there was a, you know, um, you know, some deaths there with uh, that shooting, man. But um, it just, man, it's it's just the same thing over and over and over. And all these guys, they talk a good game. And, you know, I understand that they, you know, counsel the victims and everybody wants to pledge money and, and that'll go to, to help the families in the whole nine yards. But that money will never bring their family members back. And, you know, in, in terms of uh, there not being, you know, sort of federal action on these guns, um, you know, I don't, I, I don't even know what uh, alcohol, tobacco and firearms is doing about it. They're empowered to go in after something happens, maybe to prevent some things, but mass shootings happen every day. So until they're given the teeth, I think, um, to, you know, um, really have some, um, some real world action to, I don't know, tax bullets. Um, you know, I, I, I heard a guy that's just going to keep on happening. I heard a guy describe the characteristics of a mass shooting. Right. And he said one of the things like is a hallmark is that the guns are purchased legally. Mm -hmm. That's the thing with the with mass shooting. Like if you go back and you look at them, then somehow that person legally got hold of a firearm. Yeah. So that's a whole another thing right there that we got to contend with is, is kind of think through that. Right. Yeah. It's like that's one of the hallmarks of it. Mm. Access to guns. Mm. And listen, man, um, just to concentrate, it always happens. Right. Uh, so they say that the uh, shooter uh, was indoctrinated uh, into um, this white supremacy theories by um, watching um, online videos uh, during the pandemic. Uh, he was 17 last year in high school, and actually, uh, I believe officers were called out to his school uh, for some type of a threat, and uh, he, uh, you know, was uh, referred for mental health services, so they knew something was going on. I'm not sure if he lived in the house with his parents, um, but they did go ahead and seize upon that residence uh, the same night uh, as the shooting. Not sure what they found at this point, but uh, they were seen carrying out lots and lots of evidence, man. So, you know, again, um, these kids and uh, the parents know, but they, I don't know if they're helpless or they don't know what steps to take or what have you, but uh, you just see this. And 
to be so hateful, to commit this type of crime at 18 years old, that says that those parents ain't doing something right. Society's not doing something right. He was failed at every single step. In and you terms know, like of- it, it was at one point, right? There was this great hope when you like had Barack Obama, you know, ascend to the presidency. I that's this idea of this post-racial America. And it's this idea that the next generation, right? Like they're gonna be more open and um more like um embracing of differences and diversity, right? But if you look at this, right, 18 year old, right? That's that's this generation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so if if it's infected this generation that young, and it's not the only example, right? What, what the whoever the shooter was that went to um doing the Black Lives Matter um, protest, mm-hmm. right? And shot mm-hmm. people, right? Yeah. He was like 18, wasn't he? Right. Or something exactly. like that. Exactly. Yeah, so, so you know, it's there. So, yeah. they, so this idea, this concept of like white supremacy and extremism is, is there. It's, it's in the culture. Yeah, yeah. And again, this is about mental health as well, right? Like everybody that can come out of the other side of the pandemic, which is still technically going on, all sunshine and cotton candy and rainbows. A lot of people suffered a lot. I mean, from, you know, sort of minimal and mild depression to, you know, full blown depression and who knows what else, you know, um, you know, sort of um, professional mental health uh, uh, folks would be able to describe uh, and treat. But we are failing these kids, man. And we're going to put some resources uh, for mental health into the uh, um, podcast uh, notes uh, for this episode. But uh, man, we are failing these kids and these kids are going to inherit everything and they're going to be the next generation, man. So I know that it's, I wish I could say it's an isolated incident, but I'm, 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 I'm pretty sure and confident to say that they're going to be unfortunately more incidents like this. So, you know, I hope this uh, shooting in my hometown uh, can, you know, be a 180 and, and really be a, a pivotal point in terms of improving mental health services uh, for everyone, but especially uh, these young people. And uh, Dries, I was reading a survey that said three and five teenagers between 13 and 19 describe themselves as being depressed. And I, I thought about that. That's like, wow. So I don't know what the sample size was, but three in five. So more than half the kids are describing themselves as depressed. And I understand it, right? So, you know, these young people, the eighth grade graduations, the middle school graduations were taken away from them during the pandemic. The high school graduations and the proms and all the Sadie each Haw- other. Yeah, the Sadie Hawkins dances and whatnot. They've been online for school for the most part, getting back into the swing of things, but it's really just impacted them, man. So online, online, online is what they've known. And then, um, you know, they struggling to, to get back and interact. And then you got, you know, the mass mandate and, you know, these kids being used as pawns and then, you know, all the uh, rights for kids and, you know, the LB, uh, GTQ, you know, uh, also uh, sort of, um, you know, uh, court cases that keep coming down and these school boards yeah, coming get, out against these kids. They get left and right, young people. Exactly, yep. exactly. And it does not uh, do anything good for their mental health, man. So uh, we got a long way to go. Uh, again, if you got a young person in your life, just check in on them, man. I'm not saying that they, you know, going to be out there and commit acts of violence or whatever. But if, you know, they say in police work, J-D-L-R, J-D-L-R, just don't look right, say something. You know, um, if it turns out to be nothing great, uh, if it turns out to be something and you were spot on. But at least if you see something, say something, because uh, it could be, you know, your or anybody else's life uh, you could be saving in terms of uh, pointing people to, to resources or, or pointing something out or maybe just talking to people, you know, I don't know if the kids need something more just beyond a hug or, you know, uh, uh, an, uh, an adult uh, in their life uh, to talk to them or whatever. Some people, you know, some uh, kids, they have parents or parents are out working and they really don't have that interaction uh, as they did once uh, sort of pre-pandemic, but it's up to us, man, to, you know, show the kids the way and, you know, talk with them and, and see what's going on. Sometimes they encounter adults at school that, you know, become role models and, and talk with them. And sometimes they don't. And it's really the ones that don't that we need to be on the lookout for, man, to 
prevent uh, the type of shit that happened uh, in Buffalo, man. Very, very sad. Yeah, we got to do a better job with our young people. Um, like you said, they're getting attacked from all kind of angles now. And they face a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure. So that number doesn't surprise me, you know, three and five. Um, you know, so that's that's something, too, that we're going to have to figure out. It's not only mental health for for everybody, but particularly young people. Absolutely. Now, listen, uh, as far as the police response is concerned, man, it's like a dual grade, right? It's like, A, they responded quickly, neutralized the threat and was able to subdue the suspect. However, again, in black America, when you have black people that aren't even committing crimes that wind up dead at the trigger of a police officer, but yet and still this individual, they said he never pointed the gun at the police, so they didn't consider it to be a threat in real time, but he shot these people and came out relatively unscratched uh, when he was uh, it, taken it, into custody as far is, as the videos that baffling. I saw. Well, it's, I'm not even gonna say it's baffling. I, I said it was baffling, it's not even baffling. That is another, I think, extension of like white supremacy too. It just is. It's just like it's just this unequal standard, right? Of like, you know, a suspect can go in there and shoot almost what 12, 13 people? Shot 13 and killed 10. 13 and killed 10. Mm -hmm. And then walk out and say, I'm gonna shoot myself. Don't shoot me. Mm -hmm. And you able to like work with him and get him in custody. It, it is. Yeah, that's just another. It, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's crazy, man. So um, there's going to be, you know, week, two weeks of uh, funerals. Um, so many uh, individuals uh, have pledged uh, money. One of the uh, automotive groups has uh, pledged uh, almost uh, actually they pledged more than a third of a million dollars for, I believe, mental health services. And I believe to help the, the families. Uh, there's another. Uh, I believe a new mortgage company that's doing business in the city of Buffalo. It's been reported that they pledged uh, some money to help uh, um, the uh, uh, help uh, defray the cost of um, the funerals uh, for uh, the families of the victims. And um, you you know, like uh, you remember when the when the Bengals uh, beat the Ravens so that the Bills could end a playoff drought, and people was uh, pledging yeah. uh, money. Uh, and I believe Carson Palmer's name, if I'm not mistaken, um, you know, to his uh, foundation, um, you know, this, that's the kind of thing that uh, people do. And, and even when um, I believe a family member of uh, Bill's quarterback, Josh Allen, uh, somebody, his family passed away. I think it might have been his mom. Um, his number is 17. So people, you know, was donating $17. Man, you turned around and overnight that thing had grown to like three, four, five million dollars within about a week mm. or so. So you know, um, Western New York is tight. That's the upstate area there. Buffalo is tight, man. And, and listen, I'll just say that even though it took place in a black neighborhood, I was so happy to see, you know, um, black and brown faces, um, you know, uh, white faces, uh, you know, our Asian brothers and sisters come through and it was a very, um, you know, diverse crowd in terms of folks that were uh, participating in the vigils and, you know, the impromptu prayer services that broke out, people that just wanted to come by and show their respects uh, for those that passed away, even in the midst of all uh, that madness on Sunday, uh, as it was still uh, an active crime scene um, at Topps Market. So this is the market I've been to, man, since I was a little boy, right? Like, uh, wow. you know, when my mother was alive, we used to get a real early 6, 6.15 on a Saturday morning, and we wanted to go ahead and, um, you know, get the pick of the litter as far as, you know, the produce is concerned. I was small enough to fit under the the bottom side of the cart, man, and got pushed around <laughs> in the supermarket. And we always yeah. went to Tops. Uh, they have one that's on mm. the Genesee Street, which is like the main thoroughfare to take you from the airport to downtown Buffalo. But Genesee, uh, between like Kearns and Floss. In fact, uh, uh, we still have a family home on Floss Avenue uh, in Buffalo. But man, that was the Tops we went to, man. And, you know, um, that's, that's the supermarket we went to. And, um, you know, Again, uh, for Tops to, to come on Jefferson Avenue and, and end that food desert was uh, was amazing, man. And, you know, the community went ahead and supported that uh, that market. And it was always a, a gathering spot, man, where you would see people that you knew and just not people from the neighborhood, but, you know, uh, everybody from a cross section of life 
in the community would come in there and, and support top. So again, yeah, I'm and glad. That, to- I, I, and, and, you know, we, right now everybody's in so much pain and is trying to make sense of everything. Yeah. And, um, you know, and as, as this moves along, I'm thinking about other instances where we've had um, mass shootings. I remember out in Colorado, it was in a grocery store as well, right? Yeah, Arizona and, um, as well. Gabby Gifford, yeah, she's Arizona doing campaign yeah. appearance. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And usually, you know, what's what happens is like, you know, for a while, like the whole community is shook, and then the store has to go through this kind of transformation, yeah. right? In a way that it kind of memorializes what happens because you don't want to forget it, right? Because it's 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 there, it's part of the community now and the community history. But then you have to figure out a way, how do you move on? All right, and kind yeah. of get back to this as a place of food access. Right. So that's gonna be another journey that they're Absolutely. gonna have to do. It's like, how do you even get back to this being a place where folks can kind of come and shop again and and but still kind of, you know, memorialize the lives that were lost at the same time. Absolutely. Absolutely. So as I said, uh, hats off uh, to Tops, uh, hitting uh, messaging on all the right points, doing the right thing on all points. Again, uh, for members of the community, they have shuttles, free shuttles that'll take them uh, to the next uh, nearest Tops, which is again near uh, my alma mater. And then, um, you know, they have pledged to reopen the store. So, you know, I'm sure uh, some very smart people are working uh, once the uh, crime scene is cleared out. The other thing they did was that I believe they took, um, you know, some of the groceries that was inside the store now, even though it's a crime scene and they had a, a food giveaway, um, you know, the day right after the shooting. So, um, you know, folks could uh, come up and uh, get to whatever they needed in terms of staples, dry staples, you know, flour, rice, uh, those types of things, et cetera, to uh, help uh, get them through. And as I said, one of the shooting victims ran a food pantry. So, you know, she knew uh, a lot of the folks there at the market and helped to uh, feed hung- uh, hungry folks. And again, this uh, supermarket um, sort of uh, was a solution as far as a food desert was concerned for more than a decade and a half in that area. And, uh, you know, Top said they will reopen that store. So it's going to be uh, a difficult task. It's going to be all uphill, but uh, trust and believe that, you um, you know, um, you know, the store will reopen. I'm not sure how they quite go ahead about doing that, but um, you best believe that, um, and it just won't be for a little bit either, that uh, it'll be one of the most heavily uh, patronized uh, stores and people come and spend their money and, and go out of their way uh, to help and support to this tops. And, you know, hopefully it'll be a, a grand reopening uh, of the store. And, um, you know, again, man, just, uh, just, going about your business, picking up your groceries, picking up your prescriptions, flowers, whatever it is. And uh, to be subject to this, not somebody from inside the community, but somebody from outside the community came and did this. And it's always the reverse effect, reverse effect, Dries. These people think that, oh, okay, you know, I'm going to do this and this community is going to splinter, blah, 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 blah. No, it's all about love, Buffalo love and people coming together and unifying and I hope it's just not a temporary thing, man, where, you know, people go back to their sort of normal uh, sort of patterns and whatnot, that people really come together, that this can be, you know, a beacon of light for the community. Uh, The community that's inside and and near where the store is, is tight knit uh, already, but uh, be others from outside the community that come in and help uh, weave themselves into the fabric of the community and uh, make it even stronger. So, you know, the only thing that can be hate is love. And there's lots of love uh, in the community, in the Jefferson uh, Utica uh, community. And uh, we hope that, uh, uh, you know, we'll be seeing uh, stories from uh, around the world. People have uh, pledged their support, checked in uh, on City of Buffalo, wrapped his arms around the, the victims and their families um, and the community. And uh, you're going to see a lot of positive come out from this. But, man, it's just a lot of emotions, hate, anger, um, you know, mental health, just so many moving pieces to the story, man. But, uh, and, know, Nook, again, and we're talking about, we're, we're only about what, 30 hours out from it. So about 30 hours out from it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, so yeah, we'll continue. Fresh. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll continue to monitor uh, these pieces as they come about, but, uh, Dries, I appreciate you getting on with me, man. Just, uh, a lot uh, was going on and thank everybody, um, in my circle of friends that called, texted, you know, the whole nine yards, just to check on your boy. And, you know, I made sure that their family members that, uh, you know, um, 
uh, that uh, have Buffalo connections that they were safe. They checked on my people and everybody is uh, safe. But uh, again, uh, our hearts, thoughts and prayers are with uh, the families of the victims uh, for this uh, mass shooting. And uh, man, we just uh, hoping that, um, you know, they're able to get the time to, to grieve, uh, to mourn their loved ones. And then, uh, you know, we'll begin to see uh, an awakening and, you know, a replenishment of love uh, in the community as far as that concern. And, and we'll obviously uh, keep an eye towards the court for this, uh, this, uh, this evil individual who, uh, you know, um, penetrated our community and, and created, uh, uh, committed this uh, heinous act, man. Just, just very, very angry and upset about that, but have to continue just to, to try and be positive uh, in the, in the face of uh, a lot, a lot of darkness from that act. Yep. Yep. Man. All right. This is a special edition of the digital gumbo podcast. Thanks so much uh, for listening. Digital gumbo podcast is a podcast all about race or excuse me, news, current events, race, culture, and politics. I believe we have touched on all five of those cornerstones and uh, cornerstones in this episode. We're available on Apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, including your smart speakers and smart devices. We uh, have a library of episodes, so you can download them all, take them with you. You can follow us on Apple Podcasts, and uh, we're available on Android devices as well. So uh, download, follow us. You can rate us on uh, Apple Podcasts, review and share uh, as well. Uh, we talk about uh, a lot of other funny stuff uh, when you know we're not dealing with subject matter like we did today. But uh, nonetheless, we uh, encourage you to follow us, uh, download the episodes, rate us, and review us on Apple Podcasts. So, man, again, uh, hearts out uh, to my hometown, city of Buffalo. And, um, you know, man, we'll uh, continue to uh, keep our eye on this uh, and other, uh, you know, sort of angles uh, on the story as, as the days uh, and weeks, uh, you know, sort of, sort of proceed, man. You got anything else before we get out of here? Yeah, I just want to tell people to, like, stay safe and then make sure you reach out to your loved ones. Hug them a little bit tighter if you hadn't talked to them in a while reach out and let them know that you, you love them. So now's the time for all us all to come together and just connect. Well said, well said. For my main man, Idris Elbow, I'm Nookie Bishop Jr. Wishing you a great day. Like Idris said, stay safe, call and hug uh, your loved ones, text them, let them know what you're thinking about them. And we'll check you out on the next episode of the Digital Gumbo Podcast. One love. Peace.